Hey, good morning, Gateway. I love to build. The Lord has given me the privilege of building lots of different things over the last 20 years. I uh, got to build um, boat houses and pavilions and, and houses and decks and all kinds of things. But this is one of the things that I cherish the most. This is not just a toy box, okay? Uh, my wife and I, uh, when I built this, this was over almost 20 years ago, uh, this was a chest for my wife. And I had just begun to build things. It was uh, in 2002. And I uh, literally <clears throat> dug through a, a dumpster uh, from a, a cabinet shop and got this plywood out. And I was like, I'm going to build my wife or my, my hopeful wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, I'm going to build her uh, this chest. And uh, I took my time and I, I glued all these joints and I dadoed it out. If you don't know what that means, it's like cutting a deep groove so the plywood fits. And it was just like well constructed. And I was so pleased with it. I was proud of this thing. And so it didn't actually look like this. Now it is a toy box in my daughter's room. It was kind of a little bit taller and it was like antiqued and blue. And I was just like so, so when I gave it to her, we, had, we were dating, and then she broke up with me. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and, but I built this thing to last. I built this thing to last. I was so excited about it. And um, it was just a, it was this thing in my head. This thing will hold a 1,000 pounds. She could put anything she wanted in this, right? But this, this is just an example of building. Just an example. Every one of us in this room is building. You're living by a set of convictions and you're building something. I'm speaking especially to the fathers today. You are the spiritual foremans of your family job site. Spiritual foremans of your family job sites. Everyone in this room is building something, something eternal. Is what you're building going to last? Is it going to stand the test of time? Today I'm speaking more specifically to challenge the men in this room who are fathers or those of you who will be fathers, not just in the physical but also in the spiritual, if you are willing Enable to make disciples. Your children will be the most like you. They're your greatest opportunity. So let's begin today. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is uh, Jesus is urging us to build our house on the rock. So let's read together. We're going to look at verse 24. This is the very end of Matthew chapter 7. It says, therefore, everyone who builds, I'm sorry, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. Who builds his house on the sand. The rains come down and the streams rose. The winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. So in this verse 24, he says these words. 
these words. So in Matthew, we see chapters 5, 6, and 7. Three chapters are all Jesus preaching and speaking and teaching. And this is the culmination of everything. He says these words, when you put these words into practice, it's like a wise man building his house on the rock. Whatever he hears and does, these things, building, will be a wise and strong foundation. This life is going to bring a lot of storms against what you're building. And what you're building will be tested. Can it stand the test? If we hear and obey our master Jesus, this house will not fall. This is wisdom of God for our lives. This is wisdom of God for our lives. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Wisdom sees everything in focus. God is all-knowing. He is all-wise. Everything that he does is most wise. All his acts are perfect wisdom for the highest good for the greatest amount of time. A.W. Tozer says, not only could his acts not be better done, a better way to do them could not be imagined. He is infinitely wise. The frustration of the destruction of sin by man's will does not diminish the perfect wisdom of God. It's very important to remember that. Sometimes we try to blame things on God that are from man's sin. One of the prophecies in Isaiah about Jesus says in chapter 11, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel of might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. See, all that God's plan, all that God plans is, perfect, is in perfect wisdom. All that God plans is in perfect wisdom. All right, this is a key thing that I hope you guys can remember today. As we talk about wisdom on Father's Day and hearing and obeying the words of Jesus, it was the wisdom of God to orchestrate the world through fatherhood. It was the wisdom of God to orchestrate the world through fatherhood. That was his design. Can y'all say this with me? Family is God's plan. Family is God's plan. Everything that he intended to do on the earth came through fatherhood. As our heavenly father, but then as, as men make families, the idea was that it would happen through them, through families. Fatherhood is a very important concept in the Bible and in, in our world. So he arranges it all through fatherhood. Yet in this world, there's a desperate need for godly wisdom. What it means to be a father. My wife and I have been in full-time ministry for about 15 years in campus ministry, and we love it. We really enjoy spending time with college students, helping them understand who Jesus is, and pointing them in the way and letting them walk with Jesus and disciple one another. But in these experiences, being with college students, we've seen that fathers have had tumultuous roles in kids' lives. As we talk to, to students and we spend time with students and we get to know them, they become our friends and we hear about what happens in their families and what happens from their fathers and through their fathers. There's all kinds of tragedy. Yet we have a heavenly father whose hope is to redeem and to help. And where there is a lack in brokenness, the Bible shows us that the spiritual family of God works to redeem the broken parts of the physical family. So it's days like today 
where there's fa- it's Father's Day and people give get young people give gifts and there's Yetis and and water coolers and there's like a whoopee cushions and all of the all of the perfect gifts for Father's Day. But we have to pause and we have to look at God's word and say, what does He say about fatherhood? What are we building? What are we building? So as our church goes through this journey of Matthew, we're looking at chapter 7 today. And my hope today is to take this word build and use it as an acronym so that each one of these letters represents something that is laying the foundation for your home to be built wisely. So we're going to look at the first one is B, bear good fruit. So if we look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 18, it says, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. What kind of tree are you? What kind of fruit are you bearing? Are you bearing the fruit of obedience? Are you bearing the fruit of spiritual disciplines? The great thing about fruit is it's recognizable. So good fruit is recognizable. And in turn, bad fruit is also recognizable. What you believe so strongly informs all your choices and the fruit that comes from your life. Good fruit is recognizable, and we ought to be in the habit of examining the fruit of our lives. We ought to be in the habit of watching the fruit of what comes in and out of our homes as fathers. One of the tools we use to examine good fruit is to ask some questions. Does this please God? Does this glorify Jesus? Does this align with his word? Good fruit comes from good trees full of life, and the source is good soil. Good fruit is mature. See, saplings cannot produce good fruit. My family and I, we bought, a, we bought a peach tree one time. We were so excited about it. I always wanted to have a, peaches are delicious. They're so sweet and awesome. You can make all kinds of stuff with them. And so we bought this tree, and, and like we bought it, you know, big trees cost a lot of money. We bought a small tree, and it had, uh, it had like a, the trunk of it was about the size of your thumb. And we planted it. We put it in the perfect spot, just the right amount of sun. Soil's rich. Everything's great. But it's just about the size of your thumb. And it grows and it has blooms. We're like, is it going to have peaches? Is it going to have peaches this spring? Boom, it has peaches. Lo and behold, remember, it's the size of your thumb. It grows these peaches till about the size of a grape. (laughs) And we're like, well, let's try them. These little peaches were like little fruity rocks. See, it takes, it takes an acorn years and years and years to become an oak tree. It takes faithfulness to the Lord and time growing in him to bear good fruit. So good fruit is mature. As Christians, we have to be able to discern fruit, fruit in our lives and fruit in others. Fathers, we are leading our families in this way by being attentive to the fruit that grows in our home. 
Father, starting with ourselves, you see the fruit of Christ's character coming out of you. Two, understanding God's will. That's the you, be you. Not everyone, this is uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, not everyone who will say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. So how do we know God's will? How do we know God's will? Isn't this the greatest question ever asked? What is God's will? Anybody ever asked that question? Everybody knows God's will in here, huh? No one asked that question? Nice. Okay, okay. Um, so one of the, the greatest verses, I believe, to, to find and discern what God's will is, is to look at Romans. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, we're going to read together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Perfectly laid out. No longer necessary to wrestle with what is God's will. It starts right here. Romans chapter 12. So the first one, to become living sacrifices. What does that mean to become a living sacrifice? That means you have to lay down your will and say, Lord, what is it that you want? He's not going to contend with our will. We have to lay our will down to get his will. So that's the first step. Our bodies as living sacrifices, we daily lay aside our own desires and preferences to follow him. Two, do not be conformed to this world. Do not let the culture that we live in currently shape the atmosphere of your home. The word of God should shape the atmosphere of your home. If you want to understand God's will, you have to lay your will down. You have to understand what's shaping the atmosphere and say, I want it to be God's word shaping atmosphere. Number three, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a constant process, a constant laying down, letting the spirit of Christ bring in the refreshing through his word. Whose mind in here needs a refreshing daily? We need a refreshing daily from God's word. He is clear that his will for all Christians so that we can understand his will individually, his plans, his hopes, his desires for each of us. But if we're not doing these things, we won't be able to tell what they are. We won't be able to tell what they are. Fathers, let's lead our homes in doing this daily. Three, intimacy, B-U-I. All right, for intimacy, we're going to look at verse 9 of chapter 7 in Matthew. It says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. See, he knows what we need. He knows what we want. I'm a father of two wonderful little girls, and it's a privilege to be able to raise them. My youngest 
story, I know what she wants. As her earthly father, she loves rocks. She, lo- she has a chest in her room full of rocks. Not this one, a smaller one. She told me the other day, she told Amy actually, Mom, for my birthday, I want to fight a boy. <laughs> She's seven. I know what she wants. Our Heavenly Father knows what we want. My oldest daughter, Haven, she loves books. She loves music. She loves to play the violin and the piano. She's actually in the back uh, helping with uh, AV and kids. But she's full of life and full of joy, and she loves to read. She has books on her shelf that she's, she's read five times. She loves to read. As her earthly father, I know that she, what she wants. Our heavenly father knows so much more about us. He desires intimacy with us. Let's not delay that intimacy. He desires it. He wants to be with us forever. What a treat. He wants to be with us. Okay, i got to tell you this story. So when I was younger, when I was four, my, my mom got divorced and remarried, and my stepfather brought me in. I'm only four years old, remember. And one of the ways that he won my heart as he played t-ball with me. He was in construction. He got a road cone for a tee. And we played t-ball in the backyard all the time. It was just me, me and him. We'd play. He was one team, I was the other. We had ghost men that would run around the bases. But we had a pass in our yard like a baseball diamond. And we spent, we spent so much quality time together. He won my heart. God wants your heart. He wants intimacy with you. As fathers, we need to recognize our children, our wives want intimacy with us. And it requires time. There's no way around it. It requires time. God has great hopes and intentions for your life and he wants to spend forever with you. My youngest daughter, Story, um, I accidentally, one day uh, she lost her tooth and you know, the tooth fairy uh, puts money under your pillow. And I, all I had was a $20 bill. <laughs> so I put this $20 bill under her pillow, and I wasn't thinking about the ramifications of all the rest of her teeth. And <laughs> sometimes we don't get what we want. Sometimes we don't get what we want from the Lord. But is that, does that keep us from intimacy? It doesn't. It doesn't keep us from intimacy. Don't let something that you don't get because maybe you shouldn't get it keep you from intimacy. <clears throat> First John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. A.K.A. If you don't love my children, you don't love me. That's why discipleship in this church is so important. We want you to know one another. We want you to grow in Christ and grow in friendship and, and bind yourselves to one another. Love one another. It's actually one of the greatest expressions that we can have towards God is when we love one another, our brothers and sisters. The church relationships ought to be the closest relationships that we have in our life. They should be. 
We're fighting for community in this church. We have community areas all around the church and before and after service. We, we desire that you spend time with one another, that you grow in intimacy. It literally honors the Lord. <clears throat> you okay with that? You'll see this stick. It has numbers on it. It's a measuring stick. It's 10 foot tall. It's what they used back in the day. Tape measures are a newer thing. So what am I doing with this stick? Number four is L. Leave the measuring stick behind. All right, we're going to read. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 7. For building purposes, this might seem counterintuitive uh, to, 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 not to drop a measuring stick, but we do have standards. We speak in faith over our children, over our families. The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 7, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You carry around a measuring stick? Are you judging people? Are you known for judging? Are you known for being full of grace? Are you, learn, are you known for being full of mercy? Our Heavenly Father is known to us because of His grace and mercy. See, good fathers are critical thinkers, not criticizers. They treat their children well with vision of who they're becoming, just like our Heavenly Father. Sometimes that involves saying hard things or holding them to their word, but it never involves the operation of a critical heart. So we want to drop the measuring stick. Don't be a judger. Don't be a criticizer. Don't be bitter. Don't run around with hurt in your heart because you're judging or you're being critical of others. It's easy for fathers to point out the problem in our children yet remain unchanged. Not transformed by the gospel that we preach. But Jesus should be transforming the fathers including myself. To judge, to separate, to put asunder, to pick out, to select. This is part of our responsibility as fathers. We've got to step up. We've got to step up as fathers. Last letter, D. Dependable. B-U-I-L-D. Dependable. Are you Dependable. Are you dependable? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And, the one, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. He is a dad that shows up. When you think about asking and seeking and knocking, all those things, they, just, they point to his approachability. He's saying, ask, seek, knock. Not ask, maybe I'll answer, or yell louder, or maybe I'll open the door if you knock. He's not saying those things. The Father is aware of our needs, just as earthly fathers are aware of children's needs. He is the Father who hears you and sees you. And he wants you to approach him. 
Ask, seek, knock. We must be moving towards him and recognize that he is approachable. I believe that Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16 really testify to this in both identity and in action. If y'all would uh, read, with this, read this with me. It says in verse 14 of Romans chapter 8, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Being a father to my two girls is one of the greatest gifts I've ever received from God. You see, as a father, when we learn to express our love and, and understand this bonding that we have with children, it opens up the doors of understanding of how our Heavenly Father thinks of us. Remember what I said, that He, he intends to orchestrate and arrange the entire world through fatherhood. And He gives us this privilege of fatherhood. We get the privilege of parenting as mothers and fathers to parent means to bring forth. To bring forth. Do you feel like it's a privilege to bring forth? To demonstrate our Heavenly Father's character to our earthly children? We're able to do this in the physical, but we're also able to do this in the spiritual. In essence, discipleship is spiritual parenting. I care very deeply about spiritual fatherhood. I'm a part of a ministry called Chi Alpha, and, and we fight to see college students disciple. We want them to know Jesus and walk with Jesus, and, and we ask other college students to, to, to be leaders and to, to be a part of their spiritual parenting to help them grow. Sometimes in the church, people can stay saplings for a long time and never bear fruit that's good. It'll be immature fruit, like the peach tree. So we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. We've got to be willing to, to give our lives into this uh, discipleship process. Men, would you stand up with me in this room? If you're a father, if you're a man that might be a father, would you stand up? You have a responsibility to lead your families to lead your families and to build, to establish kingdom culture, to establish kingdom atmosphere in your family. What a privilege that we understand our heavenly father and he's allowed us to be earthly fathers and get a window into this. So I'd like to spend some time with the Lord and, and men, as I, I go through this acronym one more time, I'd like you to just ask yourselves, is there something, Lord, that I'm not, I'm not living up to? Are there things here, are there things here, Lord, that I'm not following through with? B, bear good fruit. You, understanding God's will. I, Intimacy, pursuing intimacy. L, leave the measuring stick behind. Don't have a critical heart. And D, be dependable. Show up. So I want to ask you men as we pray.
to think through these things. And ask the Spirit of God to speak to you about these things. Are there areas where this needs to happen in your life so that you can actually be constructing what God's called you to build? So I'm going to pray. And as I pray and the Lord speaks to you, I want you not to be afraid to confess this to your family. We want to model confession to our family. We want to model repentance to our families. How else would they learn if their fathers never do it? Lord Jesus, we just come to you as men. We thank you, God, that you've given us the privilege of fatherhood. Lord, we just we lay our lives before you. We want to do your will, and we just ask, God, that you would help us to bear fruit. Help us to bear good fruit, Lord Jesus, to bear the fruit of your character, the, the fruit of your word, Lord, to build a wise foundation, Lord Jesus. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand your will, that we would be not conformed to this world, would renew our mind, we'd live as living sacrifices to you, Lord Jesus, and it would be apparent, Lord, that our will is not prominent, but your will is first. Lord, we just, we ask God that you would help us to be close, to really know our children, to really know our wives. Lord Jesus, we want intimacy with you more than anything, and we just ask God, if there's any roadblocks to intimacy, Lord Jesus, you would just demolish them, expose them. Lord Jesus, help us to overcome them. We ask for intimacy, Lord Jesus, with you and also with our families, Lord. Lord, help us to leave this measuring stick behind, that there would not be critical hearts, Lord Jesus, but there would be conscientious fathers, Lord. There would be considerate fathers. There would be fathers that see the whole picture the best that we can. We would walk in wisdom, Lord Jesus, and that we would, we would not be those who are judgmental. We would not carry a measuring stick and try to measure others with that stick, Lord, but we would be known for our grace and mercy as fathers. Lord, and, and, and most of all, Lord, we just ask that we would be dependable. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be dependable. I just pray over the men in this church, God, that they would be dependable and responsible and faithful to their wives. They would be dependable, responsible, and faithful to their children. Lord, they would be, defend, they would be dependable and responsible and faithful to their church. Lord, that they would carry these things out and be dependable in spiritual parenting and discipleship, Lord Jesus. We just pray this over the men. God, we thank you that you've allowed us to be your sons. Lord, help us to be fathers in a way that you've called us to be fathers. We love you, Lord. Thank you for building this church in the way that you have. Help us to be builders of this church, to be builders of our family, to be builders of character like you. In Jesus' name. Amen.